1: North and
2: scorenorth.com. Vikings Ventline on Purple Daily, that is. What's going on, everyone? Declan Goff here. Break down another episode of Ventline. We're entering closer to the regular season for the Vikings. Week one, like five weeks away here, September 11th against the Green Bay Packers at home. Of course, Vikings Ventline is a year-round program during the Vikings season. Um, we obviously bring fans on right after the game to talk about it. So, Uh, We love to do that. We're excited to do that. We're like five weeks from being back at full strength for Vikings Vent Line. Uh, And if you'd like to be on one of these off-season editions, though, I'm going to talk to my guys Jay and Dave here in just a little bit. Um, You can shoot me an email. It's VikingsVentLine at gmail.com for the YouTube audience. It's uh, scrolling across the bottom of the screen right there for you. VikingsVentLine at gmail.com. We'd love to get you in queue. I'd love talking to all the Vikings fans throughout this season. Uh, Of course, we are presented by TCL. Enjoy more of what you love with TCL with the football season coming around the corner here. Why don't you go pick yourself up a TCL television. They have great HD stuff, built-in Roku's. It's very convenient. No one, none of those, like, three different remotes. Everything's right there. Go get yourself a TCL television. Uh, Vikings Vent Line. Excited to talk to Jay and Dave here. We're going to talk some training camp stuff. We're going to talk some Vikings expectations. So uh, let's not waste any more time here. Let's get our guys in here. Let's get Jay in. Let's get my guy Dave in. Jay, you've been on Vent Lines. You've been on Write That Downs before. Happy to have you back on the show, my man. Welcome back.
0: Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be back.
2: Glad I could sneak and, in in the last hour and get in here. Yeah, yeah. A little behind the scenes here. Uh, I, had, I had to get Jay on last second. One of my other Vikings vent line guests wasn't able to come on, so instead I uh, did a little little waiver claim for uh, for Jay here for your fantasy football nerds. <laughs> and uh, Jay's going to be a, a starter a starter in the lineup here for me after uh, the last <laughs> second here. So I appreciate you uh, coming on, Jay. Uh, come on, that's Dave, scary. no up, training man? camp, nothing. What's hey, going nice on, to Dan, meet I'll you, hear?
1: Declan? Man, thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, lifelong you, dream, lifelong dream to be on the vet line. <laughs> where, where, uh, where are you about? <laughs> where are you about, Dave? Where are you, where are you living at?
1: I'm originally from South Dakota, but I've lived in the South for since like '98. I uh, I live in South Florida.
2: So, South Florida, where you watched the uh, infamous 1998 uh, meltdown against the Falcons?
1: I watched that. Yeah, actually, I watched that yeah. when I moved to Fort Myers, Florida. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I I was in Lakeland, Florida. Actually, um, visiting my girlfriend. And her dad hated Randy Moss, and I had to sit there watching him hate Randy Moss. Why we're up two touchdowns? I'm like, yeah, this is great. No, no, oh, not man. good. It wasn't a, it?
2: wasn't a good experience. Everything about that day uh, was terrible. Uh, every every Vikings <laughs> fan has like that same timeline of uh, of that misery heartbreak. It's 98. Oh, sometimes it's 41 Donut. Uh, sometimes it's 09 against the Saints. Sometimes it's now for new fans, it might be the Eagles debacle in 2018. There's a heartbreak in all of them, and we're all just trying to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die, the mission statement here uh, at Purple Daily. Jay, what was your first conscious memory as a Vikings fan? Do you remember?
0: So I'm actually a third-generation Vikings fan. Uh, grandmother uh, got on night right in 1961, so Vikings since I was born. My first conscious memory of a Vi- as a Vikings fan is the hilarious debacle, uh, the 20-20 to 20 overtime game against the Green Bay Packers, where I think Favre sends it up. The ball gets uh, knocked down or whatever lands on the packer. He's not touched, and he runs into the end zone. It was oh, yes. so ridiculous. That was my first conscious memory as a
2: Viking fan.
1: I had forgotten that memory, but thank you for bringing it up. Again. <laughs> yeah,
2: that that is a that that's a good pull, but at the same time, right? It makes you like, oh yeah, remember when that oh. one stunk. Yeah, and that everyone. was
0: a very good uh, precursor to what I should expect
2: going forward. <laughs> No kidding, dude. Uh, Boys, let's talk a little training camp here. Training camp's rolling on. They got the pads on finally. As I said on the uh, the top of the show, obviously we're like five weeks from the week one opener. Uh, So I am curious your guys' thoughts on training camp. Now we actually get to talk about football that's happening. Jay, I'll start with you. Um, What's some player or anything that you've seen so far from social media clips or following the team listening to this podcast? What are you uh, most excited for at training camp so far?
0: I am very excited about our 3 deep wide receiver room. KJ Osborne is somebody that even from the beginning of last year, after the Cardinals game, seeing how he was able to just break away uh, his game winner against the Carolina Panthers, I thought was a fantastic route, fantastic catch, good throw by Kirk. He had a very sneakily, very good year that went under the radar, I think nationally. And I think he's somebody that's ready to just break in as a pseudo Jake Reed role into uh uh, this next season and he could we could have three receivers go over a thousand yards and have eight plus touchdowns each this year KJ had I think seven last year we had seven ten and Thielen had what 14 so we were close
2: yeah, yeah KJ took a big step forward to your point uh I mean he, he had a decent rookie year they wanted him to be a returner it wasn't really working out too well um then he steps up has a great camp like you know sometimes I think and, and KJ Osborne's a perfect example of this is we kind of forget about, you know, players in training camp. And then all of a sudden guys work their ass off. And then KJ Osborne basically becomes this great offensive starter for the Vikings out of basically nowhere to your point, catches like six touchdowns, grabs like 50 balls. Um, And if that's, if that, if that's even just the floor of like what his day in day out seasons look like for, for the next few years, like you would take that, but also like, is there a next step to his game? You know, Thielen's missed some time with injuries. He he's still a productive red zone guy, but obviously age is starting to catch up to him. Is there even more to like his game? And and I think that's what's super exciting to watch about him. Um, And and to your point, three deep, yeah, obviously ninety eight with Jake Reed, Randy Moss, Chris Carter. That was that was awesome for the Vikings. They haven't had they've had really good two wide receiver sets before, right? Like they've had that in their history, but it's been a while since the the old three deep with Jake Reed kind of solidified those things. Dave, how about you, man? With training camp now rolling on, uh, what player are, are you kind of watching? What, who has the most approved? What are your training camp thoughts so far?
1: Well, he pretty much beat me to KJ Osborne. I'll expand a little, <laughs> but then I'll pick another player, but KJ, uh, showing up in practice, the fact that, um, Wes Phillips is talking about his blocking ability and making sure he's more in the slot, which I think he's going to be better suited for. Cause I think when he backed up feeling and was on the outside, I don't think he performed as well as we hoped he would, but, uh, um, and, yeah, the returnability, I'm seeing he's, he didn't show it in his first season, and he's trying to, again this season. I'm, I'm not sure that's going to work out. But the other guy who I wanted to draft, you know, like trade down and draft in the you know 18-20 mark, was Andrew Boo Jr. I had this excruciating, uh, you know, excruciating pain watching us pass on him like twice, then trade down to where I didn't think we were going to get him, and then trade back up to get him. And that saved at the point, you know, just like you guys, I think I saw your watch party uh, with Surly Brewing Company and you guys standing up and say, what do you guys think about drafting Lewis Seen? And we we're like, nobody heard of him, right? Because uh, we we had no idea we we're going to go that deep into safety, right? But uh, Andrew Boo Jr. still being there at 42 saved that draft for me. And then now to think about it, you know, re- revisiting Lewis Seen, seeing Andrews Boo Jr., and then getting Ed Ingram out of the steal. I think uh, – and now to see these guys get opportunities as rookies when they weren't getting in under Zimmer, I'm excited that we're putting the best players out on the field. So that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see how this – draft class plays out, right? Like last year's it was mostly held in hostage. Zimmer didn't really <laughs> yeah. want to play them. Uh and there's players like in witness protection program essentially. Uh now KOC and Quasey get their first crack at, at at their roster evaluation. And and I'm curious to see how those guys kind of, yeah, fit into the fold, right? Like Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth um are going to be two defensive players. And I know we're going to talk about the defense here in just a little bit, but those are two players that have a lot to prove here at training camp. And and Booth has kind of been, I feel like, throughout the first week or so the star of the show at training camp, right? Like he's brash, he's making plays, he's getting in people's faces. Um, if, if if they can find like another stud cornerback, you know, like they got out of uh, like with, with Cam Dansler, you know, with two years ago, if they add him and Dansler and Booth take steps forward, well, all of a sudden the cornerback room looks a lot better than it did, at least on paper. I think we'll have to wait to see how it plays out a little bit as the season progresses. But uh, good news for the Vikings, if they actually have two legitimate cornerbacks there, uh, Dave, what what did you? So you were you were circling Andrew Booth like in the first round, like you wanted him to go he was round the, one.
1: I thought he was the third best cornerback in the, in the game or in the uh, in the draft, and uh, I just I I, lo- I loved him over that uh, the that Florida, and then uh, I forget the other guy, I searched the name. But uh, yeah, I I just thought he was the third best uh, cornerback in the league and or in the, coming in the draft. And what I thought about him is that I mean he would just burst to the ball in the running game or on swing passes things like that and before the guy would turn his head he was uh, tackling him he played with reckless abandon uh i you know he had he had the uh, one-handed ball. odell beckham catch and that was amazing so he's got great ball skills great coverage skills great tackling ability in open field i thought he was the whole package and man it's it's since winfield he's like winfield with speed mm-hmm. that's the way i felt about him <laughs>
2: Reckless abandon. I love that. And, that's and my high school gray. football coach.
1: Uh, rest in peace, uh, Mr. Morell. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what my high school football coach used to say. Play with reckless abandon.
2: Jay going with a <laughs> football sounder there too. I appreciate that. That oh, was yeah. uh, Jay's a, Jay's a long time listener, purple daily. And he was able to hit <laughs> that sounder for me just with them. Uh, yeah, I I think both those corners can be awesome for the Vikings. Um, If 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 Cam dance takes Steph Ford, Andrew Booth, yeah, to your point, and if he really develops and he might be the steal of the draft, the only reason he fell so far was because of that injury, and he had a first-round grade on him. So if the Vikings are able to get that, that's awesome. It actually transitions perfect uh, to our next point here, boys, because the Vikings' defense uh, the last few years has been pretty brutal. And, yeah, Daniel Hunter's only been on the field for, like, eight of those possible, what, uh, uh 32 games or so. But now that they've got a couple more rookies here, they have a new scheme. They add Zedarius Smith. Uh, Jay, I'll start with you. Uh, do you think this Vikings defense can rebound now in 2022?
0: Um, I don't know if I want to call it exactly a rebound, but I do think that they're going to take some serious steps forward. Uh, I'm very curious to see how this new defensive scheme works out. Uh, I always go back to what I like seeing from a defense. And the textbook example of this is, in my opinion, the best game of 2020 or 20, yeah, 2020, the COVID year. Uh, I think it was week four or five Cardinals versus the Seahawks and watching the uh, Cardinals defense on the two minute Russell Wilson's two minute drive where they have all 11 guys on the line of scrimmage. You don't know who's dropping and they sack Russell Wilson with a three man rush. And I was just having, you know, what do you want to call it? A brain blast, nerd blast. I, I was just gushing over what I was seeing from their defense, how you didn't know what was going on and you could tell russell wilson was completely flustered and that's what i want to see out of our defense is just quarterbacks good veteran quarterbacks like russell wilson just completely flustered and completely overwhelmed in crunch time where every single second matters and that's exactly what the cardinals did
2: yeah that 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 new scheme and look from ed donatel right going to the three four is going to be interesting just how it dials up a lot of different pressures and you know the the if, if the Vikings cornerback room and defensive backs don't take that step forward, you know, or, or if it's going to be a long play, they got to figure out ways to get after the QB, right? Like that, that has to be, I think their bread and butter yeah. in the defense. If it has any lick of being successful, I know they spent a lot of money on getting Harrison Phillips here. They keep Dalvin Tomlinson. So they need to obviously stop the run, which uh, teams have been running up against them like crazy. But if, if they kind of stop those two things, they kind of, it basically stops the bleeding, right? Like I don't think that they can be an elite defense overnight but can they return back to being at least average uh, as a whole from the terms of points allowed and and yards allowed while also still being a team that gets after the quarterback at a high rate? Dave, what do you think, man? Do you think this defense has room to significantly improve in 2022?
1: Well, my biggest fear is uh, going to a three, four defense. And I heard in years past, and this is old adages about, Hey, it takes a a few years to be able to switch the personnel to a three, four defense. I think we've actually done it faster in, in as close as you can in one year, as you can, we get we brought in guys like a, McLeod immense and, and we have one that all played um, outside linebacker in DN in college. So bringing in those back end guys to maybe fill, fill some of that um, backup, you know, p- potential of being deeper on defense that we haven't had in the past. I was really worried about linebacker, but not, not so much anymore. I think guys like uh, you know some of the Robinson coming uh, back. He, I thought he was a monster in college. I thought it was a great draft pick. And then we, you know, where is he? You know, we haven't seen him. I think he got injured prior to last year, so we didn't get to see time. But the, you know, the fact that we brought in, you know, Zadarius Smith as the cornerstone of our free agent class, we got, we added, you know, added a run stuffer like Harris, Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks. Hopefully, Tomlinson rebounds. That's my big deal. is – Hey, we were terrible against the run, and adding the Hicks and Phillips, and then hopefully Tom Tomlinson comes back and has a good what we expected out of him. But adding speed with the rookies like seeing Booth, Asamoa even a Caleb Evans is starting to excite me a little bit. Uh, I'm maybe a little Pollyanna about this, but you know that's old. I am I heard that once, and I thought I'd use it <laughs> on the show, but um just just to be a little little uh, drinking the purple Kool Aid a little bit. I think we can jump up into that. Top 12 defense. I'm not a I'm not saying we're a top five or a top ten, but I think at times we could be a top twelve because I don't think anybody's got a book on us. And I, we're gonna surprise some people. So I think that, you know, in with minds like Donatel and Petton, who took you know with the Packers to three NFC title games with this defense, uh, and unfairly fired, I think. Uh I, I think we got a lot of things. And he's the reason why zadarius Smith's on our team. So I, I give these guys a lot of credit and we can turn this around. Pretty good in one year, just like we did when uh Zimmer came in and and turned it around pretty good in one year. I have go ahead, Jay.
0: I have something to add uh to your point, Dave, uh with our linebackers. I think a lot of people forget that my guy, EK, played (laughs) in a three-four at UCLA. So he's got experience in the three four and he's got experience rushing the passer. I mean, he had what, five sacks last year, but uh He's, get, he's yeah, got that he experience, too, and then Jordan Hicks as well next to him from the Arizona Cardinals. So I think we got, to your point, a lot of guys that have familiarity with this type of defense. And I think Dott- it was and a big a
1: chance now. I've never heard his name until this year. And then, oh, there was one, uh, I guess, you know, $3 million for an Anthony Barr. And now we have a 3-4 defense and we couldn't afford 3 million to get Anthony Barr back. I wanted to give him a chance in a 3-4, you know, know. you know, I'm a little down on Barr, but I wanted to see him in 3-4 because he was a monster come out of college. And I don't want to talk about passing on Aaron Donald to take Anthony Barr, uh, you know, and play him out of position for God knows how many years we've had him.
2: (laughs) You know, Dave, you brought up the, uh, the Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson thing and, and, not being able to stop the run has just killed the Vikings uh, the last few years. And I I think I talked about this on vent line last week with with a couple of fans that Vikings fans kind of got spoiled for like basically 15, 20 years, right. Between the Williams wall, uh, Jared Allen, they had Ray Edwards, they had Everson Griffin, they had Linval Joseph. They had so many great players. Yeah, on Greenway. Line. Greenway was a stud, right? Like they, Eric Kendricks to your point too, Anthony Barr at his peak was pretty damn good. They had so many different players, and they can come up with so many different combinations, whether it was a linebacker defensive end or tackle to stop the run. And and the last few years, I mean, everyone's just running up against running right down the Vikings throat, essentially. And I feel like sometimes they think, Oh, it's just run defense. It's not going to be a big deal. Like whatever, don't prioritize it or, or don't put a big emphasis in it. Well, if you're giving up like 140 yards a game, that's going to make the opposing's offense a hell of a lot easier to accomplish their tasks and find six points. So, if they can stop that run, stop that bleeding, and get after the quarterback, I, I think the Vikings have a good enough defense, and this is obviously depending on the offense is what it is, which should be a top five, top ten offense, that that should be good enough for a formula and a stew that makes the Vikings a playoff team. I think that's really all you can ask for from their defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Dave, you said Ed Donatel coming here, and a veteran dude who has been there and done that, worked in a ton of different systems, he's worked with a lot of different players, a lot, a lot of good ones too. And Kevin O'Connell's basically kind of outsourced that to Ed Donatel to a degree, but for, for all the good reasons, he's basically saying, Hey, I'm still the head coach, of this football team, they're coming up with new schemes. They've changed things up, but you're going to handle that part of the ball for me. You're a veteran dude. He's still an inexperienced head coach and he's going to be learning on the ropes a little bit. I, I love the move of bringing in a guy like Ed Donatel. It makes life so much easier for, for that Vikings defense to have a veteran dude hanging out there. Um, Boys, what are your expectations for, I guess, for the Vikings in 2022? I've been asking everyone this on Ventline uh, throughout the last few months. You know, now that training camp is here, we're getting closer and closer to the season. We start, to uh, Dave's point, sipping the purple Kool-Aid a little bit more because we had guys in training camp and pads and whatnot. Uh, JL, start you. What are your expectations for the Vikings this year?
0: All right, so I, I was all in on the KOC hire. I was getting hyped up, and I kind of had to temper myself a little bit because we can't just expect a first-year coach to go win the NFC Championship uh but i do expect our team to compete with the packers for the north and my expectation is that if it has to come down to week 17 uh that we are at least in the mix you know 10 and 7 11 and 6 i just want us to be up there be competitive and not have a mini heart attack every time we go into a game with something to lose on the line that that's really my expectation for this team and i'm really hoping that our coaching staff uh, can kind of change our fan culture of being nervous every time we have something on the line.
2: My God, that, I mean, that two minute defense last year was just historically bad. Right. And, and it just made you sweat even more. And like Vikings fans are already naturally nervous, right? They're already naturally yeah. waiting for the two to drop, right? They're, they're, they're living in a glass house. They, they know how that works. Um, so, and last year did not help anything. And to your point of kind of cleaning that stuff up and just not being complete sieve in the last two minutes of a half or a game and just knowing how to react to that kind of things. And Zimmer, unfortunately be one thing if that was happening to Kevin O'Connell this year, and and it hadn't happened to a veteran team in the past, but it was happening to a coach that had been leading the team for eight years and a lot of different players who had been there and done that for, and they could never figure out a way uh, to stop that. And I think that comes down to coaching. And eventually you'd like to think that with a different change in philosophy, that that should even itself out to your point. Are they going to be perfect in in two minute drills? Are they going to lead the league and no points allowed? no, but if they can cut that at least in half, my God, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. Uh, Dave, what about I'd... you, man?
1: Does, uh, you made a good point, Declan, that uh, you probably guys, you guys probably covered on one of your shows at one time. But there's that stat out there since uh, was it 2,686 teams. Um, we were, we were ranked 686, so dead last, and giving up points in the last two minutes of the half and the last two minutes of the game that is historically bad that forget yards forget points in a game that is historically bad. And yeah, it's centered around coaching. And that, and then that, and that's why, you know, the point uh, that he made that uh, yeah, coaching has a lot to do with it. But uh, the fact that we were a we were a top five offense that was top 10 and that's because we were, doing things like on first down, we'd run the ball. If we pass the ball on first down, we ran the ball no matter what on second down because our nepotism that just infected the Vikings. At one time, we had three father-son duos as coaches, and we have a, a offensive coordinator that thinks he's probably going to get fired if he passes three times in a row. So there's no way he's going to pass. I'm sitting at a, a sports bar going, we're going to run the ball here we're going to run the ball here. And they were wondering, how do you know that? Because we passed on first down. There's no way he's going to pass again. So, and the other team <laughs> sees that. And we were just so, I mean, we, they knew what we were doing. We we're They could just play for it. But the fact that I think we've uh, turned this defense around in personnel, we're not going to be that bad. We're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be telegraphing what we're doing every, every game. The fact that on offense, uh, we're bringing the Rams who are the, you know a rams type offense that was like top of the league and 11 personnel we were and then or they were top 11 11 personnel and, I, and as far as they were you know top at uh you know uh you know speeding up the offense or playing no huddle in the league and we were in the vikings were at the bottom of both those categories and nobody has a book on us and that's why i love that we're playing the packers the first game one because of what he uh aaron Rodgers did last year in the first game of the season i hope he repeats it
2: i love it jay what were you about to say before i uh, cut you off there Uh, i have a uh stat to go
0: along a couple stats to go along with uh what dave said about our (laughs) record-breaking uh uh, end of half performance so i think the one's been floating around that if we didn't let people score on us at the end of halves and the end of games we'd be like 15 and 2 that's absolutely not realistic uh but somebody else, uh, one of the podcasters that I watch, uh, said that if we were league average, the Vikings would have been 11-6, and 12-5 uh, and five in that right. area. If we were league average in end of half scoring, which absolutely comes down to coaching. And yep. I, the offense can't be just completely uh, uh, devoid of blame on that stat because, you know, we led the league in three and outs. We also led the league on second down runs, second and long runs, third and long. So, but absolutely played like, a huge part of that.
1: How far oh, yeah, behind and the uh, chains we were. Every, we and we yeah, led the league. And, <laughs> yep. God, I guess God. I didn't give my prediction. So I, I did. I've had said 12 and five. I said our floor is 10. Our ceiling is 13. But I feel a little bit better about the Eagles game. So I may say our, our ceiling is 14, but. I don't want to get too crazy, but we were a twelve and five team last year, and we were a twelve and five team last year. uh, If we could just, if we our defense was just fifteenth, and that's guess what, the Rams were fifteenth, and they were twelve and five with a you know you know an offense that could be, you know, pretty comparable as ours.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think expectations wise. Yeah, I think I think 10 wins is fair. I think they can get to 10 anything above that I think would be even more successful. I think they should, you know, Jay said in your in your expectations, you expect them to compete with the Packers. I expect them to keep, compete with the Packers too. I love they get them in week one to set yes. that tone early. Hopefully, you know, you, you walk away week one with the win, it's going to feel damn good. So that's all I can ask for basically is if if you start the season off early with a big win, I mean, it's going to make life so much easier for the rest of the year. And yeah, I expect them to be a double-digit win team. I expect the offense to be top five, top ten. I mean, that's kind of my bare minimum expectations. I want to see if Kevin O'Connell, which who I do think can do it, uh, if he's capable of turning this offense around. I think those are just my borderline expectations. Like, can this offense at least be like, you know, noteworthy and something that you just can't miss? Right, you can't can't miss out on this Vikings offense. It's going to be a blast. That's kind of my expectations uh, for this season, boys. Before I wrap up, any uh, shout-outs or last takes uh, you'd like to give here on Bentline? Jay, I'll go to you.
0: All right. Um, Well, I don't actually have anybody to shout out today, so I'm going to shout out you guys at Purple Daily for always keeping us entertained. Uh, I will say that I've seen a lot of comments about, especially targeted at uh, Sports Dad, about how he brings the negativity. But I really appreciate that uh, the negativity can be showcased because not everything is sunshine and rainbows. And we should always hold our sports teams accountable because that's how they get better. If we just pretend that you know we're good uh, and pretend that everything's great in the world, then we're just settling settling for mediocrity. And amen. I would like to see a Super Bowl before I die.
2: That's <laughs> all we want, right, Dave? How about you, dude? Uh, what What about you? Any final takes or anyone you want to shout out here before we wrap up?
1: Well, I do regular wellness checks on my mother because I want to have her see a Super Bowl before she dies. So I, I, I was doing that every day in 2017. We're almost there, mom. We're almost there, but I'm, I'm a, although I really appreciate you guys and I have been listening for about six months now, I kind of found the, the YouTube Vikings, you know, sphere uh, a little late in my life, but I want to give a shout out to a, a guy that you uh, brought on the vent line recently. Uh, Rap, I call him MC Rap or M or the Purple MLK because he's trying to va- bring all the Viking fans together. Uh, that's over on Purple Pocket Podcast. I I have the pleasure of doing a live show with him over there. My show is Minnesota Sports Talk, and I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. This was fun, Uh, lifelong dream. Except my life, you know, six months. I guess my YouTube life is <laughs> six months. So I appreciate it, guys. And I, I watch your show regularly and say hi to Judd for me.
2: It's actually really. Crazy to think like you, YouTube is like this create like this opening gateway to all th- all three of us Mackie Judd and myself had no idea like how big Vikings fans were outside of Minnesota like I it was naive I guess to think it to a degree but we were shocked at how many Vikings fans don't live in MN I mean neither of you guys are residing in MN right now and and I would say the majority of the Vent Line fans that either come on this show or come on during the season are not living in Minnesota uh they have Minnesota connections to a degree but they just love the purple and to your point you know both your guys point. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. And there's this big community, Dave, like you said, on YouTube that exists all over the place. People starting podcasts, people just talking about the Vikings. It is kind of funny how it all works out. And and it, I guess shout out to YouTube for that, too. It's a
1: funny thing, though, how I met uh, a rap that you had on your show. Uh, he he was talking about why doesn't Kirk Cousins take any of the blame? And I I commented on his chat and I go. What do you mean? He doesn't take any blame. That's all he takes. And yeah. then he goes. And then we basically got together. Says, you know, we should do a show together. And like a week <laughs> later, we're we're live on his on his podcast. So it's it's funny how we got together.
2: Look That's at that, fantastic. Purple Daily. Purple <laughs> Daily bringing po- other podcasters together. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jay, Dave, thank you guys for for coming on Ventline this week. Appreciate thank you appreciate for having, you having me. Come on during the season, by all means. Jay, you've been on before. Dave, come on during the regular season, by all means. We'll be ready to rock. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I'll be on right after
0: week one on Ventline. I love it. I'll be in the emails.
2: Love that. Hey, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment if you are consuming this show. Uh, We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. The Scorn Earth app is a central hub for all we do. This has been Vikings Ventline back at full strength on Monday.